I was sitting on a plane next to a man, and we started to talk a little bit. Don't always do that, but this time we seemed to engage. We were on there for a long time. He was on his way to see the Great Wall of China with his wife. He told me this story. Twenty years ago, he purchased a small duplex rental in Fort Worth, Texas. Then, a couple of years later, he sold it and purchased a rental house. Then he did that again, and a few years later, he bought a fourplex rental. Then, five years after that, he bought an apartment building, and then another, and another. Finally, he quit his job as a machinist. Now, he and his wife are traveling the world. It started with one small, seemingly insignificant decision to purchase a small rental with money he had earned in part-time work. Small decisions can lead to large results. Large doors swing on small hinges. It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. Brave Men starts now. Brave Men, wisdom and courage for the journey, for the man who wants to leave a legacy. You see, here's what we say in Christian Men's Network. What a man does in life becomes history, but what he puts into motion becomes his legacy. I serve an organization called Christian Men's Network. We are a human justice mission focused on defeating fatherlessness and ending child abuse. We do that by mentoring men with the Word of God, teaching them that manhood and Christ-likeness are synonymous. Out of that 40-year ministry that my father began in 1977 has come now the Global Fatherhood Initiative, dadacademy.com, and other outreaches that reach men all over the world. Now our curriculum is being used by men in over a 100 nations. Approximately a million men every 60 days are going through the materials, starting with Maximized Manhood. Some of you would, would know of that book, Maximized Manhood. My father wrote that about five years into his ministry as he realized that most men, because most pastors are trained to preach sermons, most men are trained to listen to sermons, not how to study the Word of God. And most pastors haven't been trained how to disciple men. So what we do and how we serve the local church with Christian Men's Network is we provide the tools and the pathway to disciple men to a place where they're the men who stay. They're the men who stick. They're the men who volunteer. They're the men who stand up for righteousness. They're the men who are willing to go to war for the next generation. This episode of Brave Men is about wealth and generosity. I was talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about Lion's Roar, and we have one coming up if you're listening to this in 2017, or, or any year for that matter. Every November, we have a meeting in Dallas called Lion's Roar. This year, it's in downtown Fort Worth, which is right next to Dallas if you're from outside the country. LionsRoar2017.com is this year's website. A friend of mine and I were talking about Lion's Roar, and he mentioned something that had really struck him last year that somebody said to him and it was about finances about money and about wealth and it totally changed his perspective now you and i know that true wealth 
really is in family and friendships, our following Christ, our faith in God. I'll tell you something. The other day, I bought a $20 little plastic blow-up pool. Bought it at the store. It was on sale. It was half price because we're nearing the end of the summer in our area. And I brought it back and put it on the back porch and blew that thing up and put water in that little pool. And my grandchildren came over and they had the best fun. Just the greatest fun. We used it for days until it fell over into a bush and got a hole punctured in it. But it was well worth the investment. That's the true wealth. Watching my grandchildren was such a great pleasure. That's true wealth. But I want to talk about money. Jesus did not condemn wealth. He talked a lot about money. But it was always in relationship to our heart. Money in and of itself is the value we place on it. You get money because you give time and effort and your acumen and who you are, and you get money in return. Money always follows ministry. As you serve, you receive the value of that serving. But Jesus always related money to our intentions, our hearts, our core values. Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, two of the wealthiest men in the world, did something really remarkable in 2010. They signed something they called the Giving Pledge, that they would give away the majority of their great wealth before the end of their lives. Bill Gates has done that. Warren Buffett has done that. Eighty other people of great wealth have now signed that. Why was it so remarkable to most of us? Because it runs against what most of us in our culture and in our world desire, which is more wealth, more gaining, more getting, wanting for ourselves. You know, I had a, a man tell me one time, he said, I'm working on a big deal. It's going to be a really big deal. And when I get done with this, we're going to give 20% of it to the church. I have launched a church and the church that we planted. My son, Brandon, is the pastor of a very healthy church in uh, Fort Worth called C3 Fort Worth. Fantastic people, amazing place, vibrant, exciting, alive. But a number of years ago, a man told me, he said, I'm going to give 20% of this big deal to the church. The deal never quite came through. We never got that 20%. But you know what's interesting he actually never gave anything of what he did have to the church. He, he didn't even give 5% or 2%. You see, I believe for some of us, the giving starts with what we have. We think, well, you know, Bill Gates, he's got $80 billion or whatever the number is now. I'd give 40 of that. Easy to give half. I'll give 40. Keep 40. I could live on $40 billion. <laughs> but here's the point. It's about our heart. If you won't give part of the $100 of your income, then you won't tithe on a million dollars of income. It always comes back to our heart. And it comes back to this, love or lust. Love, Jesus taught, is the desire to benefit others even at the expense of self because love desires to give. God so loved the world that he gave Lust is the desire to benefit self even at the expense of others because lust desires to get. Lust is about me. I want what I want. You know, it resonates in our hearts no matter who says it. I want for us. We want for our tribe. We want this. It resonates somehow. Why? Because it appeals to the lustful nature of man. 
Uh, I was watching with with great delight uh, recently. There's a football player, American football, gridiron, as some of you call it in parts of the world. His name is Derek Carr. He just signed the largest contract in football history, okay, in American football. Got a lot of money for what he does very well. One of the sports writers said to him, he said, what are you going to do with the... You know, with all that money, what are you going to buy? What's the first thing you'll be purchasing? Derek Carr stood up and said, well, the first thing I'll be doing is tithing. The first check I'll write is a check to my church. See, that comes from disciplining our spirit, leaning our heart into and giving our heart to the things of God. Discipline, disciplining our lives to love others. Discipline is always the result of love. You show me a child that is undisciplined, I'll show you a child that is unloved. Why? Because discipline is always because of love. God, the Bible says that God disciplines his children. Why? Because he loves us. Why do I discipline my children? Because I want their lives to be positive and full of hope. So I've got to cut away the negativity. You know, that's why we discipline our health. That's why, you know, I'll tell you why I do my push-ups every morning and I do the health things and Judy works out. Because we would like to be around a long time for our beautiful grandchildren. We discipline ourselves and we do the things we need to be healthy in because we love our grandchildren. I said that to a great friend, Dalo Shields, recently because I had learned it from... uh, Pastor Gary at Hillsong Church in, in uh, London. And, and Gary had told me one time, he said, you know, the reason I'm doing this is because I love my grandchildren. He was eating very healthy. I was watching him. I said, man, everybody else is eating comfort food. What's up with you? He said, I love my grandchildren. It's my gift to them. I said this to my friend Dale O'Shields, who pastors in Gaithersburg, Maryland. And I said, Dale, I'm, I'm really working and disciplining my health as a gift to my grandchildren. I learned that from Pastor Gary at Hillsong Church in London. He went, Paul, that shifted my whole thinking on working out and the things I eat. You see, we don't discipline ourselves because we hate ourselves. We discipline ourselves because we love being alive. An athlete doesn't discipline himself because he hates himself. He disciplines himself because he loves winning. He likes being healthy. He likes being ready. So we discipline ourselves towards love because lust is is selfish. Selfishness has to be disciplined. We're selfish by nature. We're negative by nature. We are stingy by nature. So generosity is something we have to learn, and it has to be disciplined into our lives. We become generous when we start with the very first thing. I remember uh, our great friend uh, Robert Kalachin, who came 15 years ago now, came to our church and talked about what he was doing in Vietnam. And he talked about these young men and women who were getting operations and it was changing their lives because they were being born with terrible disfiguring uh, of their limbs. And my youngest son, Bryce, saw that, went home because he asked him, how much does it cost for one of those operations? And Robert said, $200. He went home. He was a waiter in a restaurant at the time and he grabbed every single dollar he owned to his name. He had everything, everything he had. He brought it. It was $220. And he gave it to Robert and said, here, I want one of those children to have an operation. See, that's not normal. That's not normally how we are. We're stingy by nature. We're selfish by nature. Generosity has to be taught, has to be learned. But when we're generous, it changes our lives.
Bible says in Isaiah 32.8, A generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. What that means is generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity in a crazy world where stuff is shifting and changing and moving, and the hurricanes of negativity are hitting us. If you're a generous person, you stand firm. Proverbs 24 says this, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. I love, uh, I love the area around Lake Tahoe. I've always loved Lake Tahoe. It's a, it's a beautiful place here in California, northern California. It is, it is a, a, this beautiful alpine lake 40 miles across, majestic mountains surrounding it. I went there as a little child in the early 60s. I learned how to ski there. It's a beautiful place. My children, my family, and I, we love the beauty of Lake Tahoe. And I was sitting with my friend Wes. We were sitting out on the deck of a restaurant. We were talking about some of the things that had happened in our lives. And Wes began to talk to me about what he had been doing and how God had blessed him. And then how, out of that blessing, he began to help orphans. And he began to send the gospel around the world. He had learned as a younger man that giving is the external evidence of love. Giving is the testimony of generosity. And we began to talk about these things and how God had blessed him, how he felt so large and so, so wonderful in his life because he had given to help others and how it had changed him and how he felt his giving was why he was blessed in his business. It reminded me of the account in 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, and it says, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha, cried out. She said, My husband who served you is dead. You know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come, and they're threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Well, what can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me. Before she answered, Elisha says, Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Go into your house with your sons, shut the door, and pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars. She filled one after another, and soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, they told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. That's in Second Kings, the fourth chapter. And here's the beauty of that story, and here's what it said to me, and here's why I thought of it when I was talking to Wes about the generosity of his life and he and his beautiful wife, Jan. It's, it's this. Here's this issue. Problem. This woman's about, her boys are going to be taken away in slavery. She doesn't know what to do. She asks Elisha and he says, well, what do you have? That's a curious question. Well, obviously I don't have anything. He says, what do you have? You see, what Elisha knew is that God could take what she had in her hand and make it part of the solution. God can take what's in your hands to fulfill the dream he put in your heart. She said, all I've got is some oil. Well, that's something. See, God can use 
any something you have. We think we have nothing. He takes us something we think is nothing and produces life. Elisha said, borrow as many jars as you can. So she did it. She poured the olive oil and the oil was valuable in that culture. Very valuable. She, all of her debts are going to be paid. Olive oil is flowing like crazy. She's going, to be, she's going to have all the money she needs. Now, this is around 850 B.C., before Christ. Now, think about this with me for a moment. Jars. They're, they're, you're in a Middle Eastern village. It, it's 850 B.C. Jars are everywhere. That's like bags or baggies for us in our neighborhood. How many people would have bags or baggies? You could get hundreds of them. The village is full of jars. But the people stopped giving their jars. The children said, he, she said, there must be more. They said, well, we can't get any more. See, the people stopped giving. Here's the principle. When the people stopped giving, the oil stopped flowing. Oil is often a biblical symbol of God's presence. When the oil was flowing, it was symbolic of God's generous nature. David and other kings and leaders were anointed with oil at pivotal times for the presence of God to be on them. Today, sometimes we anoint people with oil to ask God to release his presence in their lives or situation. It's a symbolic gesture of the very real expression of God's loving and generous heart. You see, generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. I told Wes about this and told him we started talking about this story and I said, you know, when the people stopped being generous, the oil stopped flowing. I believe that you and I need to give so the oil flows in our lives. When the people stopped giving, the oil stopped flowing. The Word of God says, let me go back one more time. The Word of God says in Proverbs 24, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Live a large life. Live a bigger life. Take what's in your hand now. Give that to God. Say, Father, here's my life. Here's what I have. I don't think it's much, but God can take what we don't think is much and make it a place of blessing and make it a place of increased capacity. God can take those things that we believe are nothing and make them into something beautiful. I believe your life will be larger as you learn to be generous. I believe in you. I believe in us. I believe in Jesus. And I love my wife. God bless. You've just experienced Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Global Fatherhood Initiative. Connect with Paul at bravemen.men. That's bravemen.men.